Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. My friend, Michelle Woodward is back today, and we're talking about go boldly in the direction of your dreams. And don't worry, if you don't quite have that dream yet, we're going to talk about how you can find that dream. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll circle back afterwards. Michelle Woodward. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming back. I love our monthly conversations. As long as you keep inviting me, I'll keep coming back. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I know I get a lot of emails and from listeners and they just they love having you on. They get really excited when they see you on their iPhones or in their iTunes. So thank you so much. These conversations are helping people. And you know, that's like the crazy thing. Sometimes I go, oh my gosh. You know, there are people worldwide listening who may never meet you or I and but who really feel like they get to be a part of this conversation. And because of the miracle of technology, here we go. Here we go. So today we're going to talk about go bold in the direction of your dreams. But how do you identify it? Yeah, I mean, it's like that that famous line, you know, go boldly in the direction of your dreams. And if you if you're on social media for a hot minute, you know, they're all the like fancy graphics with like a a twilight, sunset, sunrise, beach scene, you know, some inspirational moment like go in the direction of your dreams. You know, a life lived without reaching your dreams is not a life worth living, blah, blah, blah. And I always think, well, but okay, great. But what if you don't know what your dream is? Like, what if you just have never sat down, taken time and looked at your dream? Or if you come up in a culture where having a dream is not possible, or you had a dream and you had the crap beat out of you. Like, how do you identify what would be your dream? Do you think that's way off base? No, I don't. I was, I think people don't, I think knowing what you want to dream for, what you really, really want. I mean, I know when I ask my clients, that's a, that's a door stopper. What do you really, really want? What is your dream? That could be, and partly it's, I think part of it is what you said. Maybe you had the crap beat out of you, you know, uh, you weren't allowed to dream. Maybe you've never given yourself permission to dream. Or you said, I can dream once I achieve X. But then as soon as you got there, you changed, you raised the bar. And so, and then the other part is that I think dreaming is vulnerable. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, because you could say, I, I'd like to give a TED talk, right? I mean, it would be really, it would be my dream to give a TED talk on the subject that I'm passionate about. And someone could say, that's dopey. <laughs> you know, who do you think you are to give a speech? People like us don't give speeches. You know, what, what's your husband going to think about you doing that? What's your wife going to think about you doing that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think there are, you're right. It's, it's incredibly vulnerable to have a dream and to speak it out loud and to work in support of the dream. 
you know, make those steps towards the dream. So for instance, let's say you really wanted to do a TED talk and you, you know, had your subject and you were ready and you applied, you know, are you the kind of person who doesn't tell anybody that you've applied to see what happens? Or are you the person who says I applied and even if you don't get it, you've told people that you've applied? Which one are you? I'm pretty much like let it all hang out. I <laughs> really <laughs> pretty much if I applied for a TED Talk, I would probably say to a few people, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous. I applied for this TED Talk. I sure hope I get it would be the way I would do it. What about you? So before I go to me, this is a good way for me to avoid the question. But before, <laughs> <laughs> but I think you said something that was really important. You would share it with a few people. I mean, that's the, the key about vulnerability. You sh- when you're vulnerable, you share it with the people who've earned the right to hear the story. Right. right. It and and we're in for so for me, I would share it with really my inner circle, especially those really precious dreams, and um, especially if I was you know, concerned about the critics, I think I'd be a little bit more protective of it. Um, and because vulnerability is not an easy thing for me. So I would, when I was young, I didn't share my dreams with people. I just kept them inside and that made it harder. But I would, I would share it with the, maybe, you know, my inner circle of people. You know, and it's interesting. The thing that popped into my head is the number of people I know who've put their own dream, their own sort of, gosh, it would be great if, um, they put it on the shelf in service of somebody else's dream. So, for instance, you have a 16-year-old child who has real talent in art or music. Let's go with music. They're a really talented musician. And the school they want to go to is the Berkeley School of Music in Boston. And as the parent... You do everything you can do to support them in their dream of getting into Berkeley, which is expensive, right? And let's say you don't live in the Boston area. So it's not only getting in, you know, doing everything you have to do to get in, but paying the tuition and also paying the travel back and forth from your home to um, the child's school. As a parent, you may be really thinking now is the time to start your own business, but you stay in your job for a couple of years. So that your child can have this experience at one of the most world-renowned music schools uh, or impo- that's possible. So there are a lot of people. I, I know people right now, the wife got a fellowship, and so they're moving out of the country. Um, the husband's put his life on hold. The kids are going to go to a different school because the wife got this fellowship, which is sometimes we put our dreams on hold for other people in our lives. I think the awareness needs to come in is if I am always putting my dreams, my priorities on hold in service to, to serve somebody else's needs. This is something we do as parents a lot for our kids. But if we, if we go overboard and we actually have no self because we're so busy creating opportunities for others, that's where the problem lies. That's when somebody has a like a crushing midlife crisis. You know, that's where you have an empty nest life that is horrifying. Or that's where you get to retirement age and you say, "What did I, how did I just spend these last 40 years? So I'm interested in your perspective on that. 
I think it's really important, like going back to the kids, right? When you want your kids to, to support your kids' dreams, you also, I think how you lead is really, really important, right? So there, there is that, uh, role modeling of, or the way of living, I guess, of sacrificing, putting yourself on hold and totally supporting the kid. And I, and I watch this happen every single day, right? When you get to run a youth team and you watch this happen, but as parents, how are you, and I can't, I haven't come up with that, you know, how are you going all in, in a sector of your life? And there are times that, yes, we do put things on hold. And there were times when I did that and I kept, and, but I kept waiting. That was the problem, Michelle. I kept waiting for somebody to give me permission. I was like, oh, well, they'll know that I'm putting myself on hold. And then nobody ever gave me permission, even though I'm the adult in my life. And then I would become a martyr and get really upset. And I think that's what you're talking about with the midlife crisis or all of a sudden waking up into retirement or 40 years down the road and going, wait a second, what's going on? Right. And there's the story we tell, right? The story we tell is that, oh, you know, I my job is to support my child's dream, my spouse's dream, my parents' dream, my sibling's dream, whatever, whomever, my best friend's dream. And so I can't do X because that'll take my time and attention away from them and they won't like it, right? That's all story in our head. And I'll give you the example. When I started doing coach training back in 2004 and my kids were tiny, you know, they were, what were they? Probably like eight and 11 when I started coach training. And, you know, we, I was, um, was separated um, their dad was out of the house. It was just me. It was pretty much just us. It was a little hectic time. But I sat down with my kids and said, okay, I'm going to start taking classes because the future for me is going to be doing this thing called coaching. And to do coaching, what's coaching, mom? Is that like a soccer coach? Yeah, sort of, you know, so, but, um, but when I told my kids what my vision was and what I was going to do and how I was going to fit it in, to the family life, my kids got so supportive. My kids thought it was cool. And then when I started having, you know, got through the training and started having clients, I, you know, I said to the kids, when the doors are shut, it's because I'm working. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unless somebody's bleeding, no interruptions. And my kids would bring friends home and say, we have to be quiet. My mom's working. Like it was really cool with them. So if I'd had the story in my head, oh my gosh, getting divorced, you know, it's going to be horrible for my kids. I'm going to have to put 100% of my attention on my children. I might not have started this path that has turned out to be pretty fantastic, not only for me, but for them. So I think when when you're putting your dream on hold, when you're deferring your dream, um, I think it's really important to be honest with yourself. Are you doing that because it's easier are you doing it because there's a story going on in your head of what other people will think about your dream or think about the impact of your dream? You know, what what are you actually doing if you're deferring your dream? Well, I think some people defer the dreams because they're hiding, because you're worried, like, who am I to who am I to want this or what are the critics going to say? And, and I think that it, here's something that's really important that I've talked a lot about this week is that if you want, whether it's to dream or be a leader or you're going to pursue something, know that the haters are going to show up. 
if you're going to stand up in your schools and be an advocate with, you know, about some, a message that needs to be said in the schools or that you feel strongly about, there will be people that will really respect you. And there will also be haters. And I think sometimes we forget about that. We have this belief that if we pursue a dream, it's not going to be all unicorns and rainbows. Yeah. And you know, it's like, um, it came up this week, that thing that Brene Brown said, and I'll paraphrase, you know, it's not about um, what would you do if you can't fail? Mm-hmm. It's what's worth failing for. Mm-hmm. And I think when you ask your, that, yourself that question, honestly, in a quiet place where you can really listen to your inner knowing, what is so important that it's worth failing for? You know, what's so important that I am willing to stand up, be seen, say my piece, I'm willing to pursue this even if I don't quote unquote win. To me, that's like the most powerful question you can ask is what's worth failing for? Why do you think that's so powerful? Hmm. Because we kind of have created a society, a world where failure is very shameful And this turns things around in terms of failure, not being shameful. But we also haven't really been so specific about what the word passion means. (laughs) You know, like I have a passion around Salvador Dali's all art. Yay. That's great. But really what the passion is about is it's about expression. It's about unfettered expression. It's about being one with the thing that you're creating, if you really got down into why you like Salvador Dali, for instance. So what's worth failing for might be the thing that makes you take up um, canvassing for one of your favorite, uh, your favorite political candidate or the candidate that you feel like is, is going to make the most difference. I'm willing to go out and knock door to door and it's okay if this campaign fails because it's important enough. Like I am willing to do the coach training. And even if I'm not good as a coach, the knowledge that I'm going to be gaining is enough. It's worth it. Here's the thing. I think that becomes different for people. Like when they go into what's worth failing for, if it's for something outside of them that they believe in, right? that can be easier because it's not as vulnerable. See, it's not, oh, there's something wrong with me. Versus when you bet on yourself, when you're pursuing your dream and you may fail, they go, well, it was a waste of time because maybe I didn't attain it. Like, let's just go into the swimming realm. There's, I don't know, 39 to 50 Olympians every four years. And with Katie Ledecky, Michael Phelps, and Ryan Lochte, there's even less opportunities for newcomers, right? Because they take up so many slots. So a lot, a logical person would say, well, there's, you know, the chances of becoming an Olympic swimmer is like being an NBA all-star basketball player. It's not worth it. We're not going to learn anything. Let's not pursue it. And I can't tell you how many little six and seven year olds have told me this fall that they're going to be the next Michael Phelps. I'm like, awesome. Let's go get in the water. We need to work on streamlines because if they, at least that dream pursues them and they get to be a better swimmer, they get to be proficient in swimming. That may be their success, or maybe they really bite the bug, you know, and go further in swimming and at different levels. Is that really failure if they didn't make the Olympic team? Right. And that's where I think it's important to go boldly in the direction of your dreams 
your dream, don't you think your end result may look different than what you thought when you first started? Yeah. Um, I think that, that I always say this or something better. You know, when I set a goal for myself, I always hold that in my mind at, at this or something better because something better may certainly show up. You know, the idea of like what's worth doing even if I fail is great for people who haven't been able to identify their, their dream. You know, what's worth doing even if I fail? You know, you might say where I live, reducing the trash in the Potomac River is worth doing even if I can't get every piece of trash. So that might unveil or uncover a passion or dream of somebody to have something to do with cleaner waterways in your in the Chesapeake Bay watershed, which could uh, unlock a whole new career, whole new fulfilling career, which today they don't even think about. But if you ask them that question, what would what would you you know what's worth doing even if you fail? Um, in a way that I don't know that an eleven year old who's thinking they want to be the next Mike Phelps um, that it would open him up that much. You, you're going to say great. You know, Charlie, get in the pool. Let's work on your streamline. Let's work on your turns. Let's talk about your nutrition, right? All that stuff is so important. But I'm, I'm kind of thinking about what is about the the guy or the gal who's out there say, oh, I don't really have any dream. I just kind of like I get up, I eat my oatmeal, I read the paper, I go to work, do my job, bring my lunch, sit on a bench, eat my lunch, or eat my lunch at my desk, go home walk my dog, eat my dinner, watch some TV and go to bed. That's, that's what my life is. And so what was my dream? My dream is to be able to go see my parents when I'm on vacation. Right. And it's, that may be, I mean, a really actually wonderful life could be, they could be extraordinarily happy, but they're thinking about their, this dream. What would I do if I couldn't fail or what, what would I do if for whatever reason, God bless all the people who live in the path of Hurricane Matthew, which, as we're recording this, is hitting the coast of Florida right this very second. But for some of those people in that path of that major hurricane, they're going to come home and their homes are going to be gone. Their workplaces are going to be gone. And so then the question is, if this life that I have is gone and I can't go back to it, what do I do instead? And I think that can also be the moment where you dare to dream. Like if today, knock wood for both of you and I, but if today I was no longer able to coach, it was no longer a viable business path for me, and I, ha I have to figure out something else to do to keep the roof over my head, what would that be? What would it be for you? It would probably, truthfully, honestly, I, I would try to get a job uh, running a nonprofit or a, a foundation here in Washington. Um, I'm qualified to do it. Um, I would probably enjoy do it. I could build it a great team. I have no problem raising money, doing business development, that sort of thing. That's probably exactly what I do. What about you? What would you do? I think we talked about this before. Well, I'm pretty much living my dream, so I'm pretty happy. I mean, if I, right, but if La Vida Loca, baby. Yeah. La so, Vida Loca. Um, I am living my dream, and I really feel like I've arrived in the, I don't know, recent years. But 
Um, so if this, if, if you were to say you couldn't do this, right, there was some wand out there. I guess my next dream would be to build, oh gosh, to build a pool. And do wow. it. yeah, that would be, I mean, that's always been, you know, yeah. So it'd be to build a pool. So, and so, it, yeah. And if, and if, and if it, if it didn't have to be as practical as build a pool, which still from your tone of voice sounds like a, would be a holy crap kind of build a pool. Oh my God, build a pool. But um, if like time and money and, and there were no limits, like you could do anything and there'd be no resistance, no trouble that would happen. What would you do? And build a pool. I built, I mean, I built an aquatic center. <laughs> It, the, the hesitancy becomes of like, oh gosh, all that work to build a pool. I mean, it is a shit show to build pools, but that's what I would do. So, so the, the differentiation here is like, if you couldn't be a coach, you would build an aquatic center, mm-hmm. it, but that wouldn't generate money tomorrow. No, that wouldn't generate money tomorrow. Um, so would, what I, would you do to generate money tomorrow? What would, for my dream? No, like just like, you cannot no longer coach uh-huh. Friday. Um, what are you going to do Monday to generate money? If you had to do it that quick, if you had to pivot that quickly, what would you do? And I can't coach. So I couldn't like. Um, you could you could double down on your swimming, swim coaching. Yeah. I mean, I guess I might go do, you know, I mean, to, to really change, I would go and do workshops in corporate settings or um, in education or with maybe other youth programs, but it's still coaching. Like I still, you know, I'm I'm always tapping into those things. Am I giving you the wrong answers? No, it's no, I think that, I mean, it's like maybe I didn't frame it up what you're doing now. Then the next thing is if you had to do something completely different and because you needed to make money right away, what would that be? And then the big thing that where time and money doesn't matter, you're building your aquatic center. Oh, I have a dream. It's not a bold dream though, but sometimes I'm like, I just want to go work at a coffee shop. (laughs) And it's true though. I really, really do because I really like coffee and I want to just really learn more about it, about the make, not the roasting of the, well, I probably get into that too, but the making of coffee and the different coffees and really learning the different flavors like for me to be a coffee connoisseur would be ideal. So that would be my next thing. That's wild. I don't even drink coffee. So that's like, I I have no way of even like understanding that passion, but it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. I don't, I've had two cups of coffee my whole life and both of them were Irish coffee. And so if you have enough whipped cream and whiskey, you can drink pretty much anything. <laughs> I missed the whole Starbucks revolution. I didn't get it. So anyway, but you know, I think this, this question though, like how do you bold move boldly in the direction of your dreams is really important to get down to like, so what is my dream? You know, and even if your dream is like, what if I just took a job at a coffee shop for a month, see what that's like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, just for my own edification, see what I can learn. Um, and if you're that person who kind of gets up in the morning, eats your oatmeal, goes to work, comes back, watch TV, you know, that 
if I couldn't do this anymore, what, what would I do instead? Sometimes that kind of unlocks something that says to somebody, you know, I would like to go, I would like to go see what Nepal is all about. That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. And it can just show, it can open people up who've been otherwise closed. But I think, you know, this idea of even working at a coffee shop or going to Nepal, you may go in that direction. It may not be that I'm going to open up my own coffee shop. That's not my goal, right? But what happens in the learning or maybe there's a person there that you meet then opens up another doorway into another path. And that's why like my idea about with little kids saying, I want to be an Olympian. You never know. Like, I can't tell you how many stories in swimming of somebody, you know, kids growing up and being a swimmer and then meeting actually their spouse, you know? So really the kids have a better chance of finding their lifelong partner in the sport of swimming than being an Olympian. Man, I got to get myself to the pool. (laughs) Obviously this is what's got to happen here. But I've got, Uh, I've gone to lots of weddings. So I think that's important. Like we get into these transactional relationships, this mindset of if I do this X will happen, you know, or like my dream, you know, uh, 11 years ago, 10 and a half years ago was I wanted somebody to have a radio show where I could learn so I could be a better parent, right? That's just what I wanted. And then eventually it was put on, well, Corinne, why don't you go do this? Right. So now, you know, we're actually recording 10 years on the anniversary date of, you know, when I first started my show, who I couldn't have, what I've learned in the journey that I've been through, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't have known that this was possible or that I would have branched off into coaching or any of these things. But I remember just having tears go down my face because this was something that I was hungering for, right? right? That it was something that I really wanted and I pursued it. I didn't think that I would be here 10 years later. I really, really didn't. It's just, it's so interesting to me is that, you know, there was a whole generation of people who, you know, you, you did what you had to do to survive and get by. And then once you retired is the only time you could really entertain a dream. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has really shifted now, which is a great thing. The saddest thing in the world to me remains somebody who gets to the end of their life and says, you know, I just wish I'd gone on a cruise or I just wish I'd seen Alaska, or, you know, I really, there are things on my bucket list that I never got a, got around to doing. Well, I know people who, who don't even have enough optimism to create a bucket list. Mm -hmm. But I, I think what's really important is thinking that you have to have all this time or it has to be your one main focus. Right. Right. And, and where you come up with a bucket list. And I mean, I've learned a lot of this from my husband who helps people get their dreams and that sometimes they're also part of his own dreams, right? He wanted to be an Olympian. He's never been an Olympian as far as an athlete, but he's helped people become Olympians. But then he has, you know, these random bucket lists of, um, he wanted to, I think fish, I don't even know. It was like a California or golden trout. So he had to go and hike into this place and he, all he did was, I mean, not all, it was a tremendous hike. He camped, he caught the fish, he let it go. And then he hiked back out. Like for me, that would not be on my big bucket list, but that was one of his all time bucket lists, you know, or he's going to Iceland. So 
you can be a busy person with a demanding career or demanding family life, but what part are you carving out for yourself? And it doesn't have to be an everyday thing, but what part are you carving out? And I think that's the important thing is that if you are going to press pause, you have to be willing to circle back and say, okay, here's some time that I can go and do this for myself. And the the other thing I think what you point out is, is um, let's say I have a dream of living in Paris, mm-hmm. right? And so Paris, living in Paris is not something you can do 20 minutes of every day mm-hmm. when you live somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it, to me, uh, the question is, okay, so what do I think I'll get from living in Paris? What, what, would, I, what would I experience? How would I change? What would I want to experience? Um, you know, what do I think it's going to be like? And to really be attentive to those thoughts of mine, to see what part of it can I get not living in Paris. Like so, for instance, yesterday um, it was supper time, and I I am going out of town next week, so I'm trying not to like have any food in the house. You know, I'm trying to like eat what I have down. And so there's this little kind of strip mall up the street from my house. And I started at one end and I picked up um, half of a Peruvian roasted chicken, which is fantastic. And if you ever come back to visit me, Corinne, I'm taking you there. But half of a Peruvian roasted chicken, I walked, kept walking. I stopped in a wine shop and I bought a really nice rosé and I kept walking and I bought a, a pastry from a French bakery that's there. And I walked to my car with these little parcels under my arms. I thought, wow, this is kind of like living in France. Because, you know, I, I went and picked up my meal from various different places. Or it's like living in New York or somewhere. So if you wanted to live in Paris, and part of the reason what would be that you wanted to eat great food that you could get very um, easily, you could do it like I did it yesterday in your own neighborhood. You know, because I could have heated up something from Trader Joe's, which, you know, I love Trader my Trader Joe's. But I was like, eh. So I made an experience that would be very similar to what I would have if I were to live in Paris. So it may become that the dream is not necessarily to catch the golden trout, mm-hmm. but the experience is to test myself to do a long hike, to be in a beautiful woods to come face to face with, you know, creatures, where else can I do that? Mm-hmm. But that's also taking a look at your life, right? And so for those listening who may be like, well, I can't jet off to Paris or I can't go on, you know, wherever he went. So I don't even know where he went to go do that ca- trout or he's going to go to Iceland later in 2017. But wh- what experiences can you incorporate in your life like you did last night? that give you that same feeling sense. Yeah. Because isn't it really the feeling that we want in those dreams? Yes. Right. And you have to, you have to know what the dream is. And you know, you have to also know what you think achieving that dream is going to get for you. And then see if maybe I can't get that, at least a piece of it now. You know, in my day-to-day regular life. I think that's an important question. What achieving that dream is going to get for you. And and I think it's also important that when you go and you pursue the dream, 
then sometimes you go, oh, this wasn't quite what I thought it was going to get me or the feeling that I thought. There was the idea and here's the reality. And so I'm going to change the dream and that's okay because sometimes we may, I think sometimes we think, I don't know, I'm rumbling right now, but we have to like, here's the big question, go boldly in the direction of your dreams. You know, then you're like, well, what is my dream? Oh, I better have the right answer. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say this and without, you know, knowing you think it's what you want, right? Like I could say, I want to go to Vegas. This is what grownups do. I want to go to Vegas. Bloody blah. Well, I have been to Vegas and never for like an adult trip. It has aquatics always happen to be around it. And the idea of Vegas and the reality are just so different for me. I'd much rather watch Vegas, you know, on television and Ocean's Eleven right. than actually experience Vegas. So I think sometimes you have to go and experience it to figure out, oh, this isn't actually the dream that I want. What do you think? Well, and I was also just thinking of like there's certain time in my life that the idea of dating a bass player in a rock and roll band was like, <laughs> what a dream. You know, that would be like the total freaking awesome dream of all time. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of got a little bit older and realized that was probably not the right kind of guy for me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's also fair to say, you know, I thought this was going to be the thing. The more I come to know about this, that's not the thing. But that's okay because the clarity that I've got here is really fantastic. So, you know, if you've had a long time bucket list thing of going to Vegas, you get to Vegas and it's kind of like more commercial than you expected and a little bit dirty and slightly seedy. Slightly. Yeah. (laughs) More than slightly seedy. It, you know, it's not like, you know, to allow yourself to be a crush. Oh, it's been my lifelong dream and it doesn't add up. It doesn't match. Instead say, wow, look at what I'm learning. Look at what, look at how different this is than what I expected. But what I expected might be better served at someplace like Disneyland or Disney world (laughs) or like at a, a resort somewhere, you know, a different resort or in the Bahamas or, you know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't, feel like we need to set people up or anybody needs to set themselves up for like grave disappointment if they don't, you know, meet their dreams or whatever, because you can always revise, always revise. That's really, really important because that goes back to like, what's worth doing if I fail? I think that the failing or it's this belief that if I pursue something, it should be right. And it there shouldn't be a revision. I believe that a lot of dreams have revisions to them. Yes. And the thing that also is make sure that you haven't idealized, Um, you know, for instance, I'm going to get to Vegas and my life is going to be easy, right? I'm going to meet the girl of my dreams and life is going to be easy and she's never going to have her own opinions or whatever, (laughs) you know, right? Because it's that idealization of the dream that um, really adds up to so much disappointment instead of saying, you know, I want to go to Las Vegas because I want to experience it. And whatever Las Vegas brings is going to be part of the experience. So bring it on. Right. Or I'm going to marry this person because this person is awesome. And, you know, for better or for worse, I'm up for it. It's awesome. 
you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be idealized because I'm sure that you and your sweet husband have seen each other in moments that are not always sweet and light. Oh, it's been the good, the bad, the ugly and everything <laughs> in between. <laughs> and that's normal. I mean, that's, and that's what builds great relationships. But I think that's the other important thing about the dream is that it's messy, right? That, you know, you, whether it's who you want to marry or the job that you want to have. I think sometimes people think that when they go after that bold dream, that it, that now they don't have to deal with all the shit shows. And I'm like, I live the dream and there are still shit shows around me. It's just, how do you manage them? Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of comes differently. I, I also feel like, um, I, I li I live the life that I've designed for myself. Right. I mean, a lot of people like I'm on the way to living. I am living the life that I designed for myself. I'm I'm in it. And when I don't really have a bucket list, because if I say, you know, I think I'd really like to go to Paris, I go to Paris. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'd really like to, you know, someday I'd like to hear Mahler's symphony. I go to see Mahler. Mm -hmm. Right. Or go hear Mar Mahler because Mahler's dead. But um but my point is, is that when you're actualized and you you're in alignment, you you live your bucket list, you live your dream. But I realize there are a lot of people who haven't gotten there yet. And the, the promise that I think you can give and I can give of living it is pretty darn fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that becomes like, you know, one of the things about my one of my dreams that I love is I will, like I have this show and I love that and I love connecting with people. But you know, on a small scale that anybody can do is I love having a weekly coffee date with my girlfriend. So for me, that's just, a, that's a small dream. And it's something that I really, really love. When I look back at times when I was an undergrad, one of my favorite things was when we all at noon just kind of sauntered over to the quad and hung out with each other. So those are the things like when I think about what are the important things for me, those are them. So I have you know, what we would characterize as small dreams. And I have big dreams, mm -hmm. but they're all my dreams. Cause, and, and that's why when I say I'm living my dream and, and I, I want that out there because it doesn't have to be this big, hairy, audacious goal, right? That just seems so impossible. It's what are the things that you can incorporate? What are the things that you dream of that you want? What is it that you're hungering for mm -hmm. that you want to create? And one of, one of the areas that I know a lot of, um, my clients would struggle with is, you know, they want to be connected with other people. So what, how are you cultivating those connections? What are you doing? And, and then that may be your dream and no dream is too small. It really isn't. Right. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better. So with dreams are messy, they can be bold. They can, we can revise. What else do we need to talk about with dreams? Figuring out dreams, I guess. You know, if you're really stuck and you just like really cannot locate a dream to reach out to somebody who who's on your team, who can be a good empathetic listener, who's not going to tell you that you're dope or stupid mm -hmm. or a loser for having, you know, for not having a dream or for, for identifying something that's maybe a little bit off, uh, you know, your normal. I think I think working with somebody else, a friend, a coach, a therapist, uh, somebody who's a really good listener who can help you draw out um, 
the thing that you would do, you'd be willing to fail for, um, can make the difference between a life lived and a life well lived. And I think ultimately that's what we're here to do is to have a life well lived. Ooh, that's really good. Yeah, because going boldly in the direction of your dreams is about living a life well lived. Exactly right. Right. And that's why I think it's also important to think about like when you have these dreams, what do they, what does a life well lived look like for you? You know, Michelle, you and I talk a lot about like what is success or, you know, what is, what is, what is being this or what is being that like for you to really define it? You know, what does a dream look like for you? And, and don't you think that depending on the stages of our lives, our dreams will change? I mean, yeah, like I said, like, you know, one phase of life, it might be the dream would be to date the bass player. Mm-hmm. You know, another, the dream might be to achieve something in your work life. Mm-hmm. You know, another dream might be to have children, to find a partner, to, I mean, but those things come and go, right? So I think they do evolve. What do you yeah. say? You're you're clicking your tongue like you have something popped in your head. I absolutely do think they evolve, and I think that's really important because, like, right now, travel isn't really a part of my dreams. But that's also because of where my kids are, right? You know, and so I don't like to be away from them. But that, you know, at one point, travel was really a part of my dreams, and that may happen again when I. But I think the important thing is to continuously check in with yourself, right? So if you do hit pause. Make sure you circle back and check in with yourself. Is it, do you, is now the time to pursue your dream? Right. And obviously, if you're in another country because of a spouse's a fellowship, what right. can you do there? Maybe if the dream is to be at home doing something, that's a dream that's going to be on pause. But what can you do in that place? Or yeah. Maybe- and look, I know we need to wrap up, but here's another point is, is to not, to also be as, um, thoroughly understanding of your dream as possible so that your dream doesn't become a way to triangulate anger in your marriage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, like, well, you know, I could have been a bass player in a rock and roll band if I hadn't married you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that, that kind of resentment of saying, I have this dream, but I can't do it because you need me to work 50 hours a week, bring home this pay, blah, 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 blah. That's not fair use of your dream. It's not. And people do that all the time. So if you have a dream and you know you're going to have a better lived life, if you can achieve your dream, then you need to boldly go in the direction of that dream and you need to not hold it over the head of any other human being. Do you know what I mean by that? That's important. That's really, really important. Yes, not holding it over the head. I mean, but that goes back to you being an adult of your life right? You being the boss of you and then looking at how does that incorporate within the framework of your life? And if I was married to somebody who said, you know, I want to go, you know, my, it's been my dream. You know, I heard my friend talk about this amazing fishing trip where you hike, you know, six hours (laughs) and find these remote streams with this type of fish that only exists in those streams. And it's like an eight day trip. And I would really like to take it. You know, unless, unless there was a sick child involved or a a sick me or a, you know, like I'm going to say like, let's put that on the calendar. Mm -hmm. 
because I'm going to recognize your dream in your words. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to say, do that. And no, it gets a little dicey when someone says, you know, I'm 65 years old and I want to try out to be the bass player of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a harder dream. But I think even in that case, what I would say is like, what would it be like to be the bass player for the Rolling Stones? What, what, how would life change for you? What would, what would that feel like? And then could you test by being the bass player for a local band? Mm-hmm. See how that is. Mm-hmm. Like, so that the dream's not denied, but the dream's expanded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming back. And it's always my pleasure. I keep coming back until you tell me to go away. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> well, thank you. And until thank next you. month. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So when pursuing your dreams, when going after your dreams and you don't know where to start, it may create a shitstorm in your brain because that's vulnerability. There's the white space. What do I want? Thinking about what the critics are saying, the haters that in your life laughing at you. And they may not even be people who hate you. They may be people who love you, but don't want you to get hurt or don't want you to fail or lose face. And so they may say something because their intentions are they love you and they want you to be safe. One of the things that I think is really important as you sit down to think about what are your dreams is you have to notice your feeling state. Where are you rooted? Are you rooted in shame of I'm not enough? Who the hell do I think I am? This is ridiculous. Are you rooted in love and compassion where there's compassion and self-kindness? common humanity. People have dreams. We may not accomplish the dream, but we can pursue the dream. And so often people don't pursue because they don't think they're going to get the end result. And so the point, the question that they ask, which is a really toxic question is what's the point? I'm not even going to be an Olympian. So why pursue it? That it's not about that. So it's about putting yourself out there, being willing to dare greatly in your life and go after what it is that you want and really pursue it. So paying attention when, as you think about, and you get into that space about dreaming and for a pragmatic person like myself, it can be really hard because some of those messages Michelle talked about, I had. And so it can be really hard or to give myself the space to think about what is it that I want? But what I've noticed is that the things that were constantly in the back of my head, and I never knew like, how would I make this happen? But I just would, you know, it was kind of in the back of my head. Wouldn't this be great? And then I've looked at my life and I'm like, wow, look at what I've created. And again, like I said this when I was talking with Michelle, there can be a lot of shit shows just because you're living your dream doesn't mean that there aren't any problems right? Think about you. maybe your dream was to have children <laughs> and then your children leave shoes on the floor, or socks on the floor, or don't pick up their beds or, you know, there's, there is always a mess and there's beauty in the mess. So remembering that parts of our dreams are messy, have a messy component. And when parts of them are everything that we've always wanted, really pay attention to that. And then I want to talk about this idea of failing because that can be such a trigger because we are not programmed that it's okay to fail. Sure, we, there's lots of books about it. There's, I'm sure there's lots of TED Talks, 
you know, and it's like, oh, and fail. And then Brene, you know, says, okay, what's worth doing even if I fail? But failure has a huge stigma in our culture. So to fail is counterculture. And a lot of people don't want to fail. I mean, myself included for so long, I didn't want to fail because the immediate question, which is again, another toxic question, what will people think? Or see, this is going to prove that I really am a loser. Failing is just saying it's giving you information. And it may be that maybe this isn't the right fit for you, or maybe you need to do something differently. And I'm again, I'm going to go back to the swimming culture of, you know, when a kid gets a DQ, a disqualification, that is a failure. It doesn't mean they need to quit swimming. It's, oh, maybe you didn't know about a rule or here, you're still working on this technical skill so that when you get it, you will be, you will have a legal stroke. Failing is not a big deal, depending I have to say that, I have to preface it, right? Think about some of the choices that you make. It can be when it's life and death. But in our day-to-day lives, how bad would it be if you failed? And think about that. What's the worst thing that could happen? And a lot of times is that we can feel sad or disappointed. And I was talking with a client about this uh, just yesterday. I was like, okay, so what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, I'll feel disappointed. Like, okay, well, can you do disappointed? but then I'll interpret that to mean X, Y, and Z about myself. But remember, we get to choose the stories that we tell ourselves. So we can choose to tell ourselves that I'm a loser. I'm not good enough. It's never possible. And really story fondle that and pitch our tent and build a campfire. Or we can look at this situation and be like, wow, I dared to my dream, you know, and this is what didn't occur. You know, maybe we'll say, you know, 10 years ago, whatever I started, I wanted to have a radio show and say I couldn't get guests or I didn't have listeners. So then it'd be like, okay, well, what am I doing to get guests? You know, a lot of times it's like, well, I need people to come find me, but what am I doing to put myself out there? Right. Or am I allowing myself to receive help? I mean, these were all things that I did in the very beginning. I had friends that were saying, oh, here's a guest and making introductions. I was willing to put myself out there and ask people to be on my show. You know, now I get pitched on a daily basis, but back then that's what I had to do. So think of breaking it down instead of just going, oh, I failed and it's all my fault and let me go curl up in a ball. That's the easy way out. There's no growth there. There's no learning. When you pursue your dream or when you're figuring out your dream, also it's important to experiment, test it out. You may have a hypothesis or maybe you have a bucket list of this is what I want to do. And when you do that, then go and um, try it out and see, is this your reality? You know, like for instance, Vegas has not really been a part of my dream, but there's that kind of fascination with it. And when I was there, I can't remember in the last four or five years, and I was there with one of my coaches and I was so excited because I really like pretty things and I like pretty buildings and I like to go look at homes and, you know, just, I, that's one of the things that I love to do. And I was like, oh, these are so pretty. Let's go look in this casino. And he was great. He was walking around with me and it was kind of seedy on the sidewalk. It was all really interesting. And we'd walked into a casino and it was smelly and it just was depressing and smelly because of all the smoke, which I didn't like. And it looked the same on the inside of every casino. And I would get out of there and I'd be so disappointed. And so I just, after a while, I went, wow, the idea of it, of what I see and how it's so cool, like on Ocean's Eleven and my reality, there's a big gap. Now I would want to go and see a show, but do I need to go to Vegas to see the show or can I see the show somewhere else? 
Because for me, a big deal breaker are those smoky casinos. Like I just don't really like that. So I give that to you in the sense of you may have a dream and go and test it out. Maybe you want to travel, go and test it out. What is it like? You know, I've traveled by myself. My preference is not to do that. I, again, I like to be with the people that I love. I like to be with my people. So you, that's how you get to know yourself more. And then also your dreams are going to change over time. What becomes important to you and give yourself permission to dream just because you dream. It doesn't mean it has to be a reality, but it's so important to dream. That's part of our play and letting go of that transactional relationship that we have of if I dream this, then this must happen. Dream, play, and do it from a place of love. Do it from a place of fun, not from a place of desperation. That's, it's so important. And I say this over and over, where are you rooted? Know that feeling state because whatever you're feeling, you're going to bring more of. So if you're in this place of, I need to dream because I'm feeling desperate because I hate my job. I hate my marriage. I hate my life. You're going to bring more of that hate into your life. That's not what you want. So you have to really get yourself grounded in this place of love or compassion or joy and really pay attention to that and then go from there. And remember, it takes courage to dream. It does because vulnerability is part of the dreaming process. It's vulnerability is uncertainty, emotional exposure, and risk. I don't know about you. That is not my favorite feeling. And it often feels like fear. It's the same scary feeling, but it's uncertainty. Tell me who likes uncertainty. Emotional exposure, still not my favorite. And risk, nope, don't like that either. But that is the pathway to intimacy, connection, trust, being willing to be vulnerable. But remember when Michelle and I were talking about like when you have that dream, you share it with the people who've earned the right to hear it and really paying attention. And something else that we we kind of skirted around, but this word kept coming back to me is boundaries. Like having boundaries are really important because boundaries can support you with your dream. So for instance, in the examples that we were talking about of, you know, you're a parent and you want to help your child pursue their dreams. It's still not a 24 seven job. There may be times in your life that maybe it is absolutely 24 seven. Like tomorrow I'm going to be driving to Napa as my daughter has a water polo game. So that's going to be a good long day. And that is marked out for her, but not every day gets marked out for her like that. And especially now that my kids are older, there is the space in my day. I may not take out time when they're home, but I may take out time when they're not around. Or I may even choose deliberately to take out certain periods of time, you know, and my kids are pretty busy. So maybe I'll do something on a Thursday night when my kids are gone to practice from 4.30 to 8 o'clock at night. That makes sense for me. And I'm not saying do it the way I do it. I'm saying look at your life and how does it fit within the life that you want to create for yourself? What is the right time for you? So that is part of the boundaries and looking at that and giving yourself permission to go after, to boldly go after your dreams. Don't wait for other people to give you permission. You have to give it to yourself because it's so powerful when you give yourself that permission because other people may say, and sometimes it's the people closest to you. 
And it's not because they don't believe in you. It triggers their own stuff inside of them. So that's why you have to believe in your dreams and you have to give yourself permission to go after your dreams and always circle back and check in with yourself. Is this in line with the idea? Is the reality in line? Is there a big gap between the idea and the reality? Are you putting your dreams aside too often and never coming back? Are you waiting like I did at one point in my life for somebody to say, oh, it's now your turn. You've been so nice and waiting for so long. It's now your turn. Take a look at that. Circle back. Be conscious. Be deliberate. And go boldly in the direction of your dreams. And if you don't know what your dream is, it's time to sit down and take a look and brainstorm. And remember, there's no right answer. Even I get tripped up in this conversation with Michelle of, did I answer that right? We all have that voice. It's been programmed into us. So it's now time for the iTunes. I love the iTunes reviews. My guests love them. I send it to them too. And I had this listener who sent me like her top five guests on my show and she wrote about what she loved about them. I sent it off to them and it filled them up. It's not something that we live off of, but it's nice to know what is it that you like? What don't you like? I mean, it gives us good feedback and it may influence some decisions and, you know, So we will take a look at that and it's just fun. So thanks so much. And I want to do a shout out to Zilka Cat, Zilka Cat, I believe is how you say it, for doing the latest iTunes uh, review. Thanks so much for sharing. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.